Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manesh. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest. But first, a quick thank you to our sponsor. The Real Estate Espresso Podcast is brought to you by International Coffee Farms. International Coffee Farms owns and operates 10 specialty coffee farms in Boquete, Panama. These farms are divided into half-acre parcels, and they can be purchased for as little as $18,000. So landowner, you'd profit from the cash flow generated by these properties in perpetuity. The idea of a safe, diversified offshore investment is intriguing to you. Check out International Coffee Farms at internationalcoffeefarms.com. That's internationalcoffeefarms.com. We are back. We have a great guest this weekend on the Real Estate Espresso Podcast. Welcome to the show, Russell Westcott. Hey, Victor. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me on the on the show here. I've heard wonderful things. Can't wait to share some inspiration with your audience. That's awesome. Well, glad to have you here and glad that we're able to do this face-to-face. So tell me, how did you get into the world of real estate investing? What's the backstory? Well, you know, I don't know how far you want to go back, but uh, you know, it's like almost like anyone. I, I actually one of my origin moments I can attest to was back to um, watching Oprah. Isn't that where everybody goes to get their answers from? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's how Robert Kiyosaki well, got started, of course. There you go. That's actually how I got my start. Was I saw Robert Kiyosaki on Oprah? Okay. And he was talking about his book, Rich Dad Poor Dad. And it just opened up an entire new uh, lens for me, an entirely different way of thinking of things. And you know what? One thing led to another. And after, after that, I just started going on a path. And real estate just really resonated with me. It's, you know, because it, it was a perfect fit for me. I'd never bought a piece of real estate. And I was renting a basement suite with a roommate. So it was a perfect fit for somebody with my experience. There's so many people that have a Purple Book story uh, dating back to Robert in one time or another. Not that many people seeing the original broadcast on Oprah. Okay, so you got bitten by the bug. You read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, where did you go from there? Well, actually, the, after that, uh, this was pre-internet. So you started learning. Oh, sorry, it was just start of internet around that time. And I, I got into, met a fellow by the name of Darren Weeks, um, the Canadian rich dad. And I went to a program out in Burnaby, British Columbia. And uh, I was sitting there at a conference and I won this report and it was on the top investment towns in Alberta, where to invest. And I saw a fellow uh, who was doing a presentation and the person was named Don R. Campbell. And I, that was the first time I'd ever seen Don speak and just was totally impressed by everything that was gone. What I learned, and then lo and behold, the next week I was in Edmonton. And within a couple months after that, I was, you know, buying a piece of real estate out in Edmonton, Alberta. Fantastic. And Don's a great teacher. He's a great educator. So fast forward to today. What's your focus today? Well, my focus today is actually have I have multiple different focuses. I am still building brand new construction, um, purpose-built rental housing in Edmonton. Um, I'm divesting of a lot of my older properties in in Edmonton as well because they just aren't performing the way uh, I want them to perform. Um, I'm doing some flips in the lower mainland market of Vancouver where I am at there. Um, we're also starting to look at doing some stratification and condo flip programs in Vancouver. And then also looking at in Edmonton of doing some, there's a new bylaw change that's going on that you can take a single family house where there's one house. Now you can actually put four houses up where there was once one. Right. So you can subdivide it into a semi and then you can put a secondary dwelling in the semi to make it uh, four for the price of one. Yeah. And, and in, they've also changed the rule that you potentially could put suites in those two. So you potentially could put an eight plex on a place where there was one. 
That's very fascinating. All within the residential zone. 100%, yes. That is a fantastic opportunity. There's no question well, about interesting it. Interesting is I missed out on an opportunity where I lived in Vancouver at that time where I lived in an area that did the exact same thing. And I was just too new and too scared to pull the trigger because the price points were half a million dollars for a piece of land at that time. And, you know, lo and behold, each one of those properties now in, in Burnaby where I was is probably each of them worth, you know, close to 1.8 million each times four. Of course, whenever there's a new opportunity in a marketplace, there aren't a lot of comps in the market. The appraisers don't necessarily know what to do because they really have no history. What's been your experience so far? Have you completed any or are you simply at the, still at the front end of that process? We're actually in the, and the point right now we're at is we have some business partners where we're assembling the land that makes sense because you have to take the time to find the right parking. You have to find the right corner lot. You have to find the right bungalows. Then we're going to get the team to go out and start approaching each of those homes and trying to buy them. I'm on the other end where I'm raising capital. I have some multiple people that are interested in it and I have two people so far that close to $3 million that have committed up front. And then we're just putting together, we have the team, we have the, the connections, we have all those things in place. We just need to find the land, put the money together with it, and then just slow, slowly start doing it. I imagine we'll probably have our first ones in the ground probably within the next three to four months. What's the end game? Is this just to build a larger portfolio, higher density, get the average cost down on the land so that you can get a better valuation? Is that, is that the play? Yeah, the, the play is actually multiple plays. There, there's a play right from the beginning. You can actually, it's almost three deals in one where you can do a development deal, you can do the building deal, and then you can actually own the end use and product and get cash flow out of it too. The ideal end play would be to do it all the way along and be the owner and keep selling it to yourself all the way along, keep adding value. Or it'll all depend whether we exit on the development side or the build side or at the end, we might even just sell it on to an investor at the end too. So multiple different options. Very, very interesting. Talk to me a little bit about cap rates. I mean, one of the things that I've always believed is that the Edmonton market's been a little bit expensive, especially since the price of oil fell, you know, demand dropped, rents dropped. Does building more rental capacity in that market make sense today? You know, we could sit here and talk cap rates, but it's just a number, really. Of course. And um, I like to get my information directly from what's going on in the streets. In Edmonton right now, bar nine, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's, it's not pretty if you are holding or selling. If you're actually buying, it's actually a good time to buy because, for example, there's a 10-year high of inventory. So you can actually negotiate. There's some builders that are, are looking to have, have a really sharp price points and you can actually get some good cash flowing assets uh, and you can negotiate. Like when you have that much inventory in the marketplace, it's actually a fantastic time to buy. Um, the other thing is the rental market is extremely strong. Like um, a couple of our clients that bought some brand new construction housing, bought five suited houses and so 10 units and he had all 10 rented within two weeks of possession. So strong rental market, strong rents, and uh, there's lots of inventory. So you, you can actually, stuff's on sale, let's put it that way. Right, right. One of the things that's always struck me about Edmonton is it's for its population, it occupies one of the largest land masses of any city I've ever seen. There's, the setbacks are large. The space from one end of the city to the, to the next is just vast. Are there any moves by the city to focus on intensification? You know, a lot of other cities like Toronto, Ottawa, rather than allowing the city to sprawl and build more infrastructure, more public transit, and so on, have really focused on intensification. Has that been part of the focus in Edmonton? Has that created any opportunity? Yeah, the, one of the things you'll find in Edmonton is you will find that they're starting to build a downtown core. Now with the new ICE district and the new arena that they put downtown, they're actually, they're actually making a, con a concentrated effort to make downtown a, bowl, uh, uh, 
more a of a good, destination. Yeah, absolutely. As opposed to, you know, a year ago, two years ago, you go downtown nine o'clock on a Friday night and you could you could roll a bowling pin down the road and you wouldn't hit anybody down there, right? Right. But now they're actually doing that. And, you know, when they change some of these rules of some infills and things like that, they're actually starting to increase the densification. But that's will always be a challenge in Edmonton is it truly is. You look as far as you can go this way and you see the Rocky Mountains, not for four hours. You look that way and you, you can't, you, you look towards Saskatchewan, you bypass Saskatchewan, you see Manitoba, right? So they have to do put a little bit of cap on how far out they do go. Right. So it is, it is always a concern. Right, right. Your focus today is raising capital. You're also an educator. You teach people on how to raise money. And talk to us a little bit about that. I break it down into what is the biggest obstacles real estate investors will face. And you will always have value when you teach people if you can help them solve their biggest challenges. And I've coined the phrase TM squared, um, TMM. The biggest obstacles any real estate investor will ever face is time, money, and mindset. And I think personally, the most important is actually the mindset is the most important thing that people need to overcome and bust through. But nobody wants to hear another talk on a mindset, right? It's the one thing they need the most, but it's the thing they need, they want to listen to the, the least. So I focus on the money. How do we bust through? How do you actually raise capital from other people to keep moving forward? And then just take a really um, a down to earth approach that anybody can do no matter what type of property you're investing in uh, asset class i think anybody who has a focus and a passion for real estate if you just follow a proven system can actually raise capital from other people and i agree with that 100 percent. you know as, as someone who's written a book on raising capital someone who's raised several hundred million capital myself i agree with that completely and what i found was it didn't matter what the asset class was it didn't matter if you're raising money for a real estate project a technology company even for philanthropy, process of raising money is pretty much the same across all of those. If you if you obey the fundamentals, couldn't agree more. <laughs> We're speaking the same language. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. If you had words of wisdom for our audience, what would it be? Well, you know, I would probably, if I was going to leave something here, I would leave an analogy or an acronym called FAST. F A S T, the Fast Action Plan. First thing I would share with people is number one is F means forget your limitations. Because, and here's what you find out. Most time when I have conversations with people, people will come up and say, well, I can't do that. Or I can't do that. I can't do that. That won't work. So they're actually fighting for their limitations. And anything you actually put with passion and fight for, you actually will strengthen. Right. So forget your limitations first. The second, what the A would stand for, would do some action, would be act, right? So if I was to take a look at any one investors, if I look in your day timer or your outlook or whatever, would I see activities on a day-to-day basis regard uh, going around to raise capital? So would you would you have activities on every single day put aside uh, time blocks to raise some capital? The S stands for state. So what state you bring, if you bring energy and excitement and anytime you go out and meet people, if you just come full of life to it, that will people track to you. And then the last one is T stands for teach. If you actually want to learn something yourself, make a point to teach another person because you learn it yourself and you learn it better. And then you actually get a chance to teach somebody else. And by sharing and giving and helping other people, you actually hold yourself accountable to do more of it yourself. I love that. If folks want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Uh, Best way would be through my website. That's russellwestcott.com. W-E-S-T-C-O-T-T, last name, and two S's, two L's in Russell. Perfect. So russellwestcott.com. For the listeners at home, have an awesome rest of your day. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.